0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of
1: life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do?
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
3: I'm still dead tired from
2: my yoga class this morning. Yeah, that's some bullshit. I don't know why you're doing that.
3: it's like complete trash well you know I, I felt it I, fe- I felt it okay so you guys first of all welcome back to another episode welcome <laughs> you know I think that we've just welcome said that, so many times oh, okay. yeah. that the, the, my words they kind of become one and I end up not even saying any of those words like actual words individually so welcome the, back no to longer another there's no episode. More sentences. Of Between the Rebs with Brooke and Gina.
0: Hey, and
3: we have a guest today. Yay! and I know you guys we've we've mentioned like different people we were planning on having on, and um, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this guest a long time ago, but we we just I hadn't we hadn't planned it, we hadn't got it going. And um, welcome AJ Richards. Thanks uh, for having me, friend, AJ. friend and- of mine, relative of mine. Weird. we're related and um really uh yeah and business partner on regenerative pastures and he is here to discuss and talk about all things regenerative ranching ranching i mean it is in his blood it's in his family generation many many generations and it's a passion of his um the first time i was introduced to the concept of regenerative ranching was through AJ years, um, a couple of years ago uh, or well before he came back to me with an opportunity to do something with it in business and really make a difference and make a change. The first time he brought it to me, you know, it was something that he was very passionate, passionate about look at me, I'm talking about him talking for him, passionate <laughs> about, and you're just sitting there waiting. Yeah, you're and
2: not just, you know, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs>
3: tell me more uh, he knew that something needed to happen something needed to change um you know but like a lot of you know i definitely know sometimes hey gina i'm just trying to i'm eating what I'm no, no 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 i no, i know but when you cover it it goes like this listen
2: what oh sorry yeah <laughs> I'm a mess right
3: now dude you're killing me let me finish talking about i know AJ. i'm it's, sorry i was trying to be quiet. quiet it's all right just like i can't even hear you chewing okay good okay yeah i can't okay. hear you chewing all right <sighs> sorry okay. all i'm saying <laughs> you guys okay stop you guys sometimes it's just not the right time and then it is the right time and we're in that time and that's why aj's here and we're going to talk about it and it won't be the last time you hear from him or that we talk about this topic. So on that note, AJ Richards. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the
1: introduction, Brooke.
3: You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. you, i show with you I got so into it that I have even forgot about telling you guys about my yoga experience, but we'll, we'll save that for if there's a moment in time when we're like, what do we talk about next? So <laughs> we'll save it for that time. Oh.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is awesome i like your hat thank you
3: i really like it make milk raw again 100 <laughs> percent. i oh, figured no.
1: it's perfectly in line with everything we're going to talk about today oh yeah it's like a good like overall slogan mm-hmm. so it's not my company i just wanted nope. to you guys it's, it's awesome. a good
3: hat it's a good hat <laughs> yeah. i like it yeah. all right tell us about it let's get let's just let's uh Dive so, um, in, maybe. Yeah, maybe just start out by All telling her a little All bit right. about. All right. No, that's okay. <laughs> <Gina Marie. laughs> oh. I'm just, just trying stop. to participate.
1: This I is know. what happens when you get three people with ADD running a podcast, huh? Yeah.
3: I, um, I love. Yep. Uh huh. I'm just gonna shut up. Okay. You want to know what you want know what I do with? I didn't even recognize that I do this with my ADD. Todd has recognized it, uh, especially. I always have a hairband on my wrist. Okay, I didn't realize I do this when I drive, when I'm on the podcast, when I'm doing a lot of things. It's this. You fiddle with it. Oh, I just I roll it through my hands like this, mm-hmm. like I'm like I'm using prayer beads, but these are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's your rosary. But but still, same thing. I'm practically praying, oh. like uh, like please God, help me get through this, or, or focus <laughs> on this. <laughs> help me be help me be productive, squirrel. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome. Cool. I, uh, yeah, well, like Brooke said, we, uh, our families settled Southern Utah. Uh, grandpa lived in a tent in Santa Clara with 12 kids before there were houses. And, uh, you know, now five generations, six generations later, they're still working in the cattle industry. And, you know, I'm a, I'm the, I'm a half breed. I call myself a half breed. I'm a city slicker slash rancher. So my family were all agriculture. I did the cattle drives and the brandings and stuff with them, but I didn't have to wake up and do the chores. Um, a life I wish I would have had, but I didn't. That's just not you know what I did when I, my parents did when I was younger. But the, what that did give me is this really unique perspective of what the urban population is hearing or thinking or assuming about their food, but also knowing the reality of it and where it's coming from uh, because my family do that. And you know, my cousins used to tease me, if you've seen the movie City Slickers, mm-hmm. they used to tease me as the city slicker, and I freaking hated that when I was a kid. But as an adult in the in the industry, and in the space I find myself in, and the momentum we're generating is directly because I wasn't fully in that space, right? If It's like when you're born, you only know what you're told and what's inside your field of view. And I had two of those fields of view, So I was able to kind of see what was missing in communication with people who live in the city where their food comes from and how it's not being articulated or communicated clearly. And so it's become a huge value or an asset with that perspective as an adult in the industry I'm in now. So I live in Cody, Wyoming now. I, we just moved here four months ago uh, from St. George, Utah. And... Um, we are running a USDA processing plant in Cody, Wyoming. It was the first USDA processing plant. And for anybody who doesn't know that that's a, that's where the animals go to be slaughtered, to be made into steaks and burgers and everything else we enjoy and, and appreciate, you know, to keep us healthy, healthy and happy in the life. And so I'm here in Cody, Wyoming, running the plant, connecting with ranchers from all over the region between here, Utah and, and Montana. Um, and, uh, that's, that's what we do. You know, we meet with the ranchers, we cut out all the middlemen. So one of the biggest challenges in the agricultural space is you've got all these people working so hard to raise our food, but then they sell it off to numerous middlemen that it finally gets to the store shelf. And uh, they don't make, they, I think the average price they get per dollar is 14 cents. So if every dollar spent on meat, the rancher that raised that animal for 90% of its existence gets 14 cents. That's crazy. Everybody else. Yeah, it's crazy. And they can't afford it. And so now what's happening is branches are disappearing because nobody's children want to get, you know, grow up to take over a losing venture. Right. And, you know, then Bill Gates buys it up. So that is such bullshit. It
2: is bullshit. Bull- God, that, it's so irritating to me. Dude, I thought, Brooke, I how many know. times are we gonna like deal with the, the fact that our whole world is falling apart?
3: You know yeah. what? Uh um, I'm just gonna keep doing this. Please God. <laughs> I know <laughs> what is happening. You know yeah. what? Uh <sighs> it is obviously because of the we just live in a much different time than when even like when I think about like your parents, you know, or my parents or Mm -hmm. yours, AJ, because our family is from the same area. You know, my parents, I love hearing stories about when they were growing up, even when they were in high school or first married there, you know, weren't a lot of roads, a lot of dirt roads. And it's so funny because for myself, a lot of people that didn't, I don't know, could be just from where you were raised or I guess how you are for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. Like, I wish that I could you know, go outside and saddle up my horse and go to work. (laughs) <laughs> or go to school. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy. But it, the reality is, is there are way more people at this point in time that are very disconnected to the reality of what is healthy, really, really healthy, and what is not. And, and more than that, really, the amount of work that goes into creating things, I mean, really just growing vegetables or, you know, raising oh, beef and or- uh- any of those things, it is, it is so much work. It is crazy amounts of work and it's unfor- It's very sad. And one of the biggest reasons me and AJ first started talking about this is because the market, because there are so many middlemen, the market is constantly up and down, up and down, up and down for a rancher or a farmer. You know, they do all this work every time they do it. The cost for them to do it also may go up and down because of what's happening in the world or inflation or other, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they might be spending even more money, but they're still only getting 14 cents on the dollar. And that's, you know, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And then as they have, you know, through the years, how we have industrialized farming and ranching and production of food, all of those ranchers, basically the people who built this country and fed their families and, you know, fed themselves regionally because that's how everyone always yep. ate. That has disappeared, which has in turn made our quality of food even worse right. by mass production. I mean, we are really in a pickle yeah. and we're trying to get out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's our, our quality of food and the environment because of the mm-hmm. way it's being produced. I mean, I think I think the biggest value we could offer people on this is to debunk some of the bullshit that's going around right now. And, you know, like you said, so many people are dis- uh, disconnected. A lot of people, when 2020, that's when we first started talking because mm-hmm. that's when I really dove in on this. Store shelves started emptying with meat and people were like, what in the hell? There are people that live in big cities that are like, well, why doesn't the store just make more? They have no clue. The the store doesn't make meat. That's insane. It comes in (laughs) cellophane. That's like, why don't they just make more? And yet then they're going to go vote on some stupid law that's going to restrict producers or ranchers to make fake meat the priority. And they think they're helping the environment because they've been fed a line of bullshit. You know, this Beyond Meat crap with these super well-known celebrities is like, it's dangerous.
3: Very dangerous.
1: Nobody's questioning this. And actually... Fake meat is purely for profit. They're going to label it as good for the environment and good for your health and all this crap. It is, it is not. It is completely the opposite. The only thing, you know, the big news right now is our environment, right? Climate change, climate change, climate change. The only thing that's going to reverse that is more livestock roaming the earth all across the United States and other parts of the country. And the only the reason for that is the only thing that restores soil is the rumen from the gut of livestock. That's it. It's the only thing. And so you need all, you know, right in the region I'm in, it's called the bighorn basin. 3 million bison used to roam through here every year. And when they did, they were always on the move because they were always being pushed by predators like wolves. They kept the bunch, the herd bunch together. And so they were, because they were bunched together, they were evenly spreading the manure heavily across the land as they were moving. And they always stayed on the move. So they were literally fertilizing and their hooves were tilling it into the ground, but it was cyclical. So they would move and then they would come back around different areas and they would just come back every year. We killed off the bison. We killed off the predators. We put fences up everywhere. So now nothing can move naturally. And so we broke nature's natural cycle, but it was founded on ruminating animals, right? Bison, beef goats uh uh lamb those kinds of animals and we ruin that if you look in africa africa used to be beautiful Serengetis with grass right when they turned those into protected parks they removed the indigenous people that lived in those parks those indigenous people were the ones that were hunting the animals and keeping them bunched together and on the move and when they removed them 50, 60, 70 years later, it's now a desert because they removed the cycle, the natural ecosystem that existed. And so when they promote this fake meat, it's all chemical based. A lot of people will say, well, you know, if, if, if their only argument is the animal, you know, we don't want to kill. Uh, let's say we don't want to kill any animals. Listen, I get that. When you raise an animal, you have a lot of uh, a connection there. But it's a healthy connection knowing this is part of the cycle. Everything eats or is eaten. When we die, we will be eaten. At some point, the pine box they put us in is going to break down and our body will be consumed, right? So everything happens that way. But when you talk about raising the food or the land mass necessary for fake meat or or food for uh, veganism, right? All of those special products to make up for the things they don't have, the amount of animals that are killed in that process far outweighs the number of animals that are killed to feed a family. You know, you, you, you process one beef, that's 450 pounds of meat. That's one family, an entire year. You can't do that clearing out hundreds of thousands of acres of land. I'm going to give you a crotch sock. Cause I keep my, <laughs> I got to keep my truck going. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I obviously my beautiful office, I'm in my pickup and I got to okay, keep same. Yeah, you know, i um, super professional here.
3: I'm a, I I'm constantly on the move. So. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm in my bed. Sometimes I'm in an office. <laughs> I'm in Florida. Um...
2: Wait, So I want to hear more. So I feel like, uh, I feel like there's people out there. Like when you're saying that more animals are, are harmed doing the, the, the fake meat process, I think that it would be like, for me, that's the first I've heard of that.
3: Yeah. So well, you have to think about Gina when you no when I believe it. Yeah. When you go, it, in, yeah, when you go into I either, know. when you go into like for instance how they are trying to like, turn tons and tons of uh, acreage into mm-hmm. just soybean crops. I mean Got you it. are disrupting. Okay. You're disrupting nature. You right. have to get rid of. And when they go through, it's kind of like when you you know you we talk about um, uh, like palm oil. How okay. bad that is, and when you think about what is done to, like the rainforest, to the animals that live there, just to get palm oil, like we, we first of all, it's terrible for you. Like there's so many things that are being pumped into every single product that we eat, including products we which we learned that we put on our body, in our hair, right. on our face. It's everything is designed to kill us. And the reality, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I was that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. But, and when you start trying to create you know, mass producing. So if we're going to start mass producing all of the products you would need or ingredients you need just to make a fake meat product that one has preservatives, has all these things that aren't good for you, but hey, on the label, it says it has this much protein, it has this much fat and it has this many carbs. You're like, woo, and there's no meat in there. And then you're like, don't even pay attention to the fact, what are the ingredients? Mm -hmm. What are you eating? Well, how it was made in a lab and then yeah. we we've, we've ruined we've we've ruined land we've ruined forests we've l- ruined wildlife because you kick them out or you don't kick them out you just start bulldozing and they are eaten up in the process and that is the reality that you know when you have it is true that you know and with certain types of animals we could just say like uh mm, wolves okay or coyotes there are certain states that they're being they're overrun by them So you can go out and actually kill them. Like, so uh, coyotes in Utah Mm -hmm. and Arizona, a lot of places. You can go out and you can kill them because there's too many of them and they are overrunning like farms and ranches and and Mm -hmm. everything like that. But to do that and legally, you have to, what is it you have to take take in from them? Is it their, their jawbone? What is it, AJ? Their ears. Their ears. You have to show proof. So you do that. And you can actually get paid to do that. You take in, you take in the ears and you, it's a, it's a good service. Now that is, there are cases like that with certain animals. If we have too many of them and now we, because like what AJ said, we have over many, you know, generations, we have kind of changed the natural process. Mm-hmm. We have to be the predator in helping manage life, wildlife, right? But there are industries and big companies that, you know, mass produce, again, I'm going to say it mass produce things like milk or beef or a lot of these products where they are the issue in anything to do with humane treatment of animals. It is not hunting. It is not eating them. It is not eating. That is the way it's always been, but it's through mass production and these you know practices that we were kind of born into, and like what AJ said in the beginning too. Depending on where you live, like you really only know like what's around you and what's in your field of view. And I think it's super important for people that if this is a lot of new information for you, or maybe it's information that kind of triggers you a little bit, just be willing to to really consider that the narrative is is much different. Like the story is much different or much broader than what you've ever been able to understand or perceive purely based on the information that's been shown to you. And that's okay. It's kind of like me and Gina talk about it a lot. We don't get too stuck in your ways because just because we feel a certain way, it doesn't mean that that's the truth, Um, but we are entitled to feel the feelings that we have. But I think if all of us really open our eyes to a much bigger picture and what do we want long-term, we just want healthy animals. We want healthy earth. We want healthy soil. We want to live a long time. We don't want to have chemicals in every single product that we eat, that we um, use to you know, take care of our house or your yard or your, your hair. And the only way to do that is to accept the fact that we, we didn't, we, maybe we, we were wrong or what yeah. we thought was wrong. And but that's I a- think
2: you have to look at like, who's making all the money. Yes. Right.
3: Like they say, follow I mean, the money, you
2: follow the money. You got to follow the money. I mean, like all the information that we're being given is, is, is all based off of like these people that are making so much money off of this, like mass, uh, mass produce, you know, producing because we're just, you know, constantly consuming mm-hmm. yeah. without, so think- without thinking about it. And just, and, and again, assuming that what we're being fed not, not just, you know, literally, uh, is, is the truth. And you really have to look at who's making all this fucking money and the fact that, and it's really frustrating for me because, you know, like you were saying, AJ, you know, you have these, these families who have, you know, built their, they built around ranching and all this stuff. And then you have these motherfuckers who just come in, you know, with all this money and then just like buy up everything. And then, you know, basically all those people that are doing all the work are fucked. Yeah. And we just have these like fat cats sitting there making all this money and then, you know, controlling media, controlling all this stuff, controlling the narrative.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie.
3: And just to give give some perspective for some people who it might be hard, a hard pill, hard pill to swallow to accept that they have believed the wrong thing or believe something that's not quite right. You know, AJ can really talk on this, but because this has been going on for a long generations, you know, it's not like all of a sudden we just are where we are. Right. It's slowly been happening. So if you try and think about, you know, back to when the government or what, whoever was, you know. whoever the big guys people are (laughs) scary monster people um when they come in and you have like people that settled and have ranches and they've got land and they're just out there just working the field and you know it's like well here's some money you know if you only grow this well they may have either been in a conundrum where a lot of things you know all the different wars and um recessions and depression, great depression, a lot of things that could really be affecting their family and their land and the people around them. And at that point, it's like, I got to, I got to take care of my my wife, my kids, my family and do all this. And so, you know, that very well could be easier to say, well, yeah, you're going to guarantee me that money. If I only grow this, right. Well, then you Fast forward and you've got, okay, now if you use this fertilizer, you're going to grow faster and more. And it's as we have fallen into the story and maybe some of those things that were developed, maybe the people, I don't know, maybe the stuff that was developed in the fertilizers and the game plans maybe they didn't really know what effect it was going to have long term on our soils or on this because why they of were of course they didn't they, because they were focusing on what the money they yeah. were focusing on like owning everything and being the head honcho and now we're in a situation where we've got desertification you know it's it's not going it's it is not an easy fix to turn dirt into soil and with a lot of these big um like a lot of the big farming um facilities where yeah. they're mass producing a lot of stuff and they are okay. using fertilizer and no, you guys organic does not mean they don't use bad stuff. Um, therefore you're almost forced to have to use it because you can't like your are the, the, the dirt and soil needs it because yeah. we have stripped all of the life out of it. And that's, what's really scary is because you're seeing all of these ranches that are closing or these farms that are closing and like land that is being bought up. And it's like, that's all we really have left. Like we need that land and we need to start making an effort to try and turn that. Well, yeah, and who's buying like it immediately? Up. Well, Bill Gates.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, you know, so Gina, one of the things that to, I guess paint a real clear picture on your question about what animals Mm -hmm. Take a piece of land, if you've ever gone out into a field, walked around, you'll see all kinds of animals run around. You'll see rabbits, you'll might see squirrels, you might see different insects, right? All of those different creatures that live in that natural ecosystem. And then somebody says, that's a really flat field, we can get irrigation water, I want to buy it, and I'm going to turn it into a farm. So they do that, and then they bulldoze and till everything over. They killed all the microbiology in the ground, they killed all of the little creatures that lived on there by the hundreds, right? In that Mm -hmm. same area of land, by the hundreds and so you know if you guys watch yellowstone when uh they had that woman that was like a protester arrested he says how cute does an animal have to be before its life matters that's a real question you should ask yourself if you're anti this and if because if if you did ask yourself that question you're all, and you couldn't kill an animal your only choice would be to starve to death and die right that's the only choice because something has to die for you to eat if one sentient being gives its life for the for an entire family to eat for a year that's way better than hundreds or thousands of creatures being wiped out to grow a monocrop that are then contributing to a problem of soil degradation which then contributes to uh, global warming literally right desertification specifically is what I'm talking about because now that soil's dead eventually nothing will grow there and when we talk about desertification in the west look at what's happening with the, the lakes that provide power and and life for everybody in las vegas and california i mean there's water war- in phoenix there are water wars coming because nothing's being done to to reverse that on the natural scale at the speed that it should this i you know how many times have you ever heard somebody say well you should zero scape your yard so you don't use water right you ever heard that term yes zero-scape. that is the stupidest idea in the world because actually what's happening zero scape puts off a lot of heat which is causing more heat in that region, which is pushing any rain that would have normally come in. What it should be is prairie scaping. What did that area that you built a house in, even in giant cities, what did that look like before all these neighborhoods would build? Okay. Well, if you would return just the yards back to that kind of landscape and not manicured with chemicals and fertilizers and herbicides and all that kind of stuff, you would draw down carbon because that, that prairie grass would suck carbon in the soil and that grass creates what's called evapotranspiration. It sweats. You ever gone down the road and it's hot, but then you go between two fields that's got that's green, and it's like, oh, that's it's cooler right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that grass is sweating essentially. And if you do that in a large enough area, it doesn't have to be that large, by the way, but in a large enough area, it creates its own local rain cycle. We get about. Uh, And if anybody in here is an expert, you're going to probably prove me wrong. We get about 60% of our rain from the ocean. The rest of it should come from local water cycles. So 40% of your rain should be local water cycles. What have we done all along the coasts of our country, of any country? We build cities and skyscrapers so everybody can enjoy the coast. So now all of that pavement, all of those hot buildings, when that normal rain cycle was coming in off of the ocean, it hits that wall of heat. And it pushes it back out into the ocean, and it keeps doing that until it builds up this massive pressure, and then it just comes in with a vengeance. So the water from the ocean can't come in on a normal calculated cycle. The very least we could do is restore the soil health so we get more grass and so that we can see more rain. Where Brooke and I are from, we used to have this place called Washington Fields. It's still called that, but it is no longer fields. It is all neighborhoods.
3: Mm-hmm, it's terrible. growing
1: up, we would see rain come off the Black Ridge, right, coming from Cedar. You could see the clouds coming in, and we would get rain that we could count on every year. But the more we have developed the Washington fields to become neighborhoods, you'll see the clouds come off the hill because it's still green and, and rural up above the, the town, the city. Mm-hmm. As soon as it hits the city, uh, the edge of town, you will see literally those clouds disperse and move around the town. Oh, weird. Because all of the heat from the pavement and the shingles on the roofs and the zero scaping ideas and all this crap that, that's going on. So when we, we are talking about agriculture being, and, and uh, we'll talk about regenerative agriculture, because like Brooks said, large, if a company is trying to dominate, then I guarantee you they're not doing it respectfully or responsibly, right? Where they have all those animals in one spot, that's called a CAFO, a concentrated animal feeding lot. I'm not saying that the people that raise meat are all good and the people that are doing vegetables or the vegan side is all bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. It's a broken system. On You're personal. talking about like,
2: corp, like big, big corporation.
1: Yeah. yeah. All they care about is profit. And when I say they, I say they and I couldn't tell you a name because even the CEO has no control over what's being done. Right now, it's all driven by shareholders. So there's almost like no real decision maker that has a moral conscience. It's money, 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 money. Mm-hmm. That's all we're making a decision off because we got to keep all these people happy. Our mission is to not dominate. Our mission is to provide a pathway and a new model that others can adopt. Right now, there are four major packing plants that own 85% of the market. 85% of the market wow. in, in the beef space is by four people. Two of those corporations are not even Americans. Wow, they're not. And so they're making these decisions solely based off profit. I think there should be 1000 people sharing that, you know, that there are 200, let's say that there are, there's 327 million people in America. Mm-hmm. Okay? The, the the estimate is 6% are vegan. Now, that is a very loud 6%, as you can tell, yes. but only 6% are vegan. So that means there are 227 million meat eaters in just the United States. The the USDA says that there's about 2.5 million small farms and ranches in the United States. That's it. 2.5 million for 327 million. Well, 320 uh, 27 million consumers, 297 million meat eaters. Okay. Now, if every single one of those raised meat and they all sold direct to consumer, that's 160 mouths per farmer or rancher to feed. That's so that's the, those are just the raw numbers, right? I did a presentation and out of 30 people, three of them raised their hand that they were selling direct. So there's no scarcity. I believe in abundance. I would like to see a thousand companies like mine own the processing, shake the hand of the rancher or the farmer. And then, and then the only people between us and the rancher is UPS to get it right to your doorstep. We should see a thousand companies like that across the country nobody should receive a box of beef further than one state over because then when we accomplish that food stability you know this is i don't know i don't know if your listeners are paying attention but food insecurity is a genuine threat right now this is no longer like a conspiracy theory it is what's happening mm-hmm. and if we're getting hit by that from climate perspective we're getting hit by that uh uh on that from poor management of land we just didn't know any better like brooks said we didn't know what putting the chemical fertilizers we're going to do. We just knew it yielded a whole shit ton more corn than it did before. So let's keep doing it. Nobody knows when you step on the ground that in one handful of dirt, there are more microorganisms than stars that you can see when you look up at night, who can tell me the name of even one of those. We have no clue what the life cycle is inside of our soil, right? So we put all these chemicals on there and kill them all. And then you have geopolitical challenges, when we bought our plant, the day we bought it, a buyer from China was there to buy all the meat and have it shipped to, the, to China. So they wanted wow. to buy everything we could make and send it away. We, of course, we said no because we have a conscience and we're here to support American families and their, and their food. But on top of that, Chinese companies are buying processing plants because guys like me are saying no. So then they're just buying them outright. And then they're just using that plant to process for their own country. And so we are whittling ourselves into this position where the only way we're going to get our food, unless we fix it quickly, is through corporations. That's yeah, which
3: it. is which is control wow. the food, control the food, control the water, control the people. I mean, to the absolute max. Yeah. And that's, I don't know about any of you, but that is terrifying. It oh. is terrifying. That keeps me up at, at night. <laughs>
1: And it did for me too. And that's my only solution I could figure out to be able to sleep was to get started. Now, do I know if I'm, I'll probably, there's that saying, you know, something about you plant a tree now under which the shade I'll never sit. Sure. But I've got three daughters and then they're my grandkids. That's who's going to benefit from the work that I'm doing now. And so kind of to transition, we're focused on regenerative agriculture, which is in a very clear nutshell, Replace, we are now pretending to be the predator, right? So I've got I've got a really small piece of land. We just started at seven and a half acres. I've got two cows. I put them in a little fence and I move them every single day so that they are getting whatever grass is available on that little portion of land. And then whatever they don't get, I supplement with alfalfa, right? Other grass so they can have what they need. And then I move them the next day. And then what they left behind was a pile of shit. It goes right back into the soil. So next year, when I move them back, I'm going to have twice as much grass. You know, what's really fascinating when you start looking into this is that Mother Nature, what we took a hundred years to wipe out. If we support Mother Nature with these practices, she's basically like, hold my beer and watch this. And in three to five years, restores what we fucked up in a hundred years. Hold my beer.
3: Hey, hold, hold my, my beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's regenerative. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold my beer. I'm going to fix what they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Give me we two years. Give me three years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've talked about it on here. I'm sure I have. But we're in the process. So my dad, we've got, you know, my dad, because of my grandfather and, you know, and his, um, 1,100 acres in Enterprise, Utah. And there are areas out there that there's lots of natural grasses, but, and there's also things where like out where, out there, sagebrush, for instance, if you guys ever been to Southern Utah or a lot of those places, that is not native. Sagebrush is not native. It was brought to what I know is where my home, Southern Utah, from like wagons, you know, it being attached to things and kind of moving it through. So things like that aren't native. Aren't native. And what we're working on is basically working with this like, uh, the state to restore natural grasses on our land. You know, there are, there's area of our land where my dad has said, you know, I think grandpa overgrazed this area. And again, it's like, you don't, you didn't know, know. you didn't you know. know, you know? And so right now we are working on, we don't run a, a lot of cows. We definitely don't run enough. We, my dad, we raise cows for our family to feed my family, to give, to give beef to Mike's, my, my relatives. And that's what we do. But discussing me and my dad have sat the first time me and AJ started talking, this really became a topic of conversation that I've, you know, become I'm very passionate about. And I work with my dad on it because I want to, like AJ is doing at his property there. I want to make a difference at our property uh, with my family, with my dad. And we don't have enough animals, we don't have enough cows to for that to be enough manure to supplement and try and put more organic material back into the soil. So we've recently, you know, had a mound of horse manure is what we were able to get our hands on. And my dad has bought a manure spreader and that's, you know, we've out and out what out in the yard, which will be our pasture. And for those of you that don't know, you can't just put animals on that area until it's about two year, like a two year process. Is that correct? About a two year process of creating pasture. So you can have grasses that have that natural growth cycle. And to do that, we are going to start basically mixing in manure and watering it and mixing in manure and trying to just get more uh, organisms in there and um, create more organic matter. So we can hopefully regain that you know, bring back soil, bring back life to that dirt. And it is exciting and it's a a long process. And I don't know. I mean, it is, um, for those of you that are like, well, I don't live anywhere where I could do that. I don't live, you know, that's not what you do. It's not what, you know, that's totally fine. That's okay. You know, the purpose of having things like regenerative pastures or what we're, I'm doing with AJ and making meat available to people that is, one, it's not coming from overseas. Most of the grass-fed beef that you guys see, if not all of it, it's not from here. We are, we are getting it from New Zealand. We're getting it from other places, but we don't need to. We don't need to get it from there. We have, we have it right here. And with what we're doing, we're making it very available to people, very good healthy product that in turn is keeping these ranches going that are committing themselves to following a protocol that is going to, you know, get mother nature on board. So, So right.
2: So you can actually like trust what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like you were saying, like organic, I feel like anything that's like stamped with organic or like, remember that, uh, remember the sea spiracy was like dolphin free or, you know, anything that they're like claiming, you know, is, is, I mean, they're, they're showing that no one's really regulating that it's just bullshit. And it's a way to like, it's a way to charge you more money.
3: Yeah. And as soon as something becomes that big, Mm -hmm. there's no way way to regulate it. There's no way it's, it's too many people, um, who, like you said, we don't know who's actually in charge because there are shareholders that make the decisions. And at that point, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't become important anymore. What becomes important is your margins, is yeah. your income, is your spending. And they don't care about anything else. It's not they don't care about it. It's that because it's not right in front of you, you don't worry about it. You're like, well, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we are where we are right now, where it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's like it feels too late. But the truth is it's not too late. But we need people to start investing in the, the companies, the ranches that are working to make a change because that is like, like AJ was talking about, you know, the more we get ranchers that aren't currently currently following like a complete protocol, which is regenerative ranching or farming. Um, we need, it's, it's great to be able to approach them with like guaranteed business in return for more work they have to do every day. I mean, it already is a hard job. So we are asking of them to do even more work. And by doing that, it's like, well, we have, you know, we have these buyers, we have these consumers. Like we can guarantee it. It is more work. We can guarantee you no middlemen. We can guarantee you this, that, but the only way that's going to work and the only way we can keep doing this and AJ can keep spreading, you know, all of his knowledge is for more consumers to get into it, help out, you know, don't go and buy it. Don't go buy it at your store, you know, do shop local, pay attention to the ranches where you're getting your meat and where you're where you're getting your vegetables. And you may not be able to do it yourself. Like you may not be out in the field or moving cattle every day, but just by purchasing, you are doing mm-hmm. a, hu- it's, it's a huge help in yeah. like this whole mission.
1: say vote with your dollar right where you spend your money is where the change where that change happens and uh you know when you talk about the the amount of work necessary to do this oftentimes what's happening is their ranching is a hobby because it doesn't pay enough Mm -hmm. so they're doing the ranching and going and doing another job we're talking about the opportunity to just ranch to just be a farmer it's gonna require full-time work but that's what they would like to do anyway so it's kind of just it's really an educational mission, right so the whole reason we're here is it looks like we sell a box of meat because we do that's what pays to get these guys to do what they need to do. But our company isn't founded on selling a box of meat. Our company is founded on helping ranchers transition. We are a we are a um, a uh, conservationist group, so to speak, and it looks like we sell meat but what 's happening behind the scenes is just like Brooks said as our demand increases, that's one more rancher. I'm shaking their hand and I'm connecting them with an expert to show them how to go from traditional, this traditional method that's causing some of these problems and connecting to an expert that says, listen, we can show you how to go another route. And not only that, you're going to make more money. You can raise more animals on the same number of acres because you have more grass. You're going to restore your local water cycle. You're going to provide a much more nutrient dense meat. You know, if you, what we didn't even talk about the nutrition side, but when you look at the phytonutrients in regeneratively raised meat, even compared to organic, it's a night and day difference because the way they're managed and the number of species of grasses that they're eating, it's just completely different. And I think it is important uh, to acknowledge that the ranchers are doing what they were taught to do, just like any other industry, whether it was from their father or their grandfather, Mm. and they were influenced by market Certain market influences during their time, so we're not telling them you're wrong. This isn't a moral thing, right, wrong, good or bad. It's like, hey, we just happen to live in a world now where I can look at what this guy in South Africa is doing that gets way less rain and it's working really well. Grandpa didn't wasn't able to go on YouTube University and see what this guy right. did. Right. He would have been like, shit, I'm trying that. Yeah, he didn't have that option. He only knew what was around him, and sure. now we're saying, let's show you. You know, I've got a friend, Alejandro Carrillo, He works with an organization called Understanding Ag. He's in the Chihuahua Desert. They get six inches of rain a year. And if you go and see what his property has done in the last eight years from his practices, it's crazy. You go to the border of his property and then the next ranch, one looks like a desert. The one is Serengeti grassland. Wow. And it's it's the same amount of rain. But now because he's got that grass there, he's actually (laughs) – kind of robbing the rest of the place from the rain cuz it's attracted to where it's cool. And so he actually posted this picture right down the fence line. And I'm not kidding it was wild. One side is dry and desert and there are no clouds and literally right on the fence line it's a rain cloud and a storm happening over his property. Wow. It's the mo- and you know obviously the clouds are moving around but it is a very telling picture on what's possible. So I think, you know, if people are interested in really learning more, there's a documentary called kiss the ground that was released in 2020. Uh-huh. by Kiss the ground organization. It was the number one documentary in 2020. And frankly, like Brooks said, every day, I just had this feeling of impending doom. I'm going to watch my children starve because right. what the majority of the news is saying is we're screwed. We're screwed. We're screwed. They're not talking about the good things, right? Cause train wrecks sell. Kiss the ground was the first documentary that I saw that did a such a fantastic job showing where we're at, but then showing the hope and the possibility of what's already happening. If we get behind these people that are already doing it. And the best way to do that is like Brooks said, don't go to the store, go to the local farmer's market first. See if you can meet a rancher and shake their hand and buy it right from them. If you're doing that, then you're already making a massive difference. You know, um, we export the same amount of meat that we import. So when the, when these special interest groups are trying to say that cows and their farts are causing global warming because of the <laughs> methane and the carbon, <laughs> right, bullshit. One super tanker, one shipping con, you know, ship that comes across the ocean is equal to 40,000 cars on the highway.
2: Wow, yeah.
1: And if we're importing and exporting tons of that, those boats across the ocean. This is why the saying exists. It is not the cow. It's the how it's our money grubbing interests. That's having us break this whole system. So we're not getting our food from where it should come from. And that's causing the emissions problem. It's not the cow. The cow is the only thing that's going to help us fix what we're doing.
3: It's just been the easiest. It's been the easiest thing for them to point fingers at it's the same thing, Gina, when you and I watch conspiracy and we're like, and this whole time, they're like, get rid of your straws. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no more straws. Right. No more we'll straws. And it's like turtles.
2: Yeah. But we're just going to keep scraping the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And yeah. leaving shit in the water. I, you know, but I
3: still feel like
2: even that movie, it kind of like made you, I feel like the, the intention was like, you know, don't eat any. Don't eat any fish. No, one hundred. Then it's like then you have all these, but again, like we talked about before, you have all these like local fishermen, you know yeah, that are that are doing things correctly. It's like no, we still need to support
3: those people. I think what a lot it's of it comes down to. No, yeah, a lot of it. Well, I'm going to piggyback what AJ said about kiss the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there's so many documentaries out there, and we we've talked about it, and I know you guys know this too, and you've seen it, and you can tell just by a you can tell just by looking at the title or the, or the picture on the front of the movie or the documentary, you're like, well, this has a narrative. Like these guys have, these guys have an agenda. There's a reason there's, and it's, and, and that's tough because that's also what has created so many people to just immediately ignore or not consider the information that's been, is being shown to them at all, because primarily a huge percentage, I would say, this is an assumption I don't totally know, but I feel pretty confident in saying this documentaries because they do have an agenda. Sure. The groups of people that are funding that they're going to reap the benefits and, and the kiss the ground was the first documentary I've watched that it is the only people, the only thing that would, would reap the benefits is our soil. And we, people don't own that. You know, you, you take care of what's under your feet on your property, but you, you know it's it's the first time where it's like you can't go in and blame the cows you can't go in and and blame the vegans you can't go in and, and blame anyone like the truth is is the whole the whole system was it, it broke a long long time ago and we didn't really have the knowledge at least um collectively you right. know i think there have obviously been people that have had the knowledge and probably you know it was very easy for people to pass by and think like, you're, well, you're going to ignore it you're because crazy. you're going to make money. Yeah. And it make a money. It's a lot easier to be like, you're over, you're, you're free. You're, you're making stuff up. You're letting your, let these ideas stress you out. Like, what do you think? Hey, that's not, I know you think that, but no, it's like now we're seeing, oh my God, you know, uh, Aunt Karen was right. Yeah. Right, this whole well, time we thought she was crazy. She's right. I, well, it, it, I think the problem is has
2: been is that it used to be just families providing for their families.
3: It was and, eating regionally,
2: and, right? And now you have people who are going in and they're trying to dominate financially, financially dominate something. You yeah. know, it's no longer just about like I'm just providing for my family. I mean, you've got people who are making millions and billions of dollars. And they're
3: just feeding, you know, just creating more, more money. Well, and you think about it too. There there. I mean, obviously that's been a thing for how long, a and long time. And that's true. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to go after, you know, um, we're stuck in it. We're stuck in a cycle where a lot of these families that obviously based on where you live or because of the people that are up there making all the rules and, you know, making all of the prices go up all over crazy. There are people that you, you, we hear this all the time Gina right like I can't afford to eat healthy. Right. I can't afford it. And it's like, well, that's not true. You you can. You mm-hmm. know, it's just not convenient. It's not at the gas. You have to work a little bit it's for it. It's yeah. not at McDonald's, you know. Yeah. And and that's the hard truth, you know. And a lot of people you're not going to be able to really get your hands dirty and help make changes by getting in the, getting in the fight that way, but you can be more aware and make more aware decisions and plan ahead. So yes, if there's a lot of families, a lot of people, it's very normal where both parents work or, um, because of the hustle and bustle of of the way life is. And it was never, I believe never really meant to be like this. Like humans, we deal with a lot of stress that doesn't, we don't, I don't think we were really built or meant to deal with. And so that is an added issue when it comes to just one more thing that we need to do to try and survive. But yeah. if anything, if we can plan ahead and think about it, um, even for people that are very busy, you know, like we talk about, like, like if you're talking about like nutrition, right. We've talked about, well, meal prep, let's meal prep. We'll cook. We used to do it. Like we cook, I'd go to Gina's house. We'd cook right. on Sunday. We had stuff for the week. So you could eat healthy, Um during the week and you wouldn't have to be like, oh man, I'm so busy. I'm so hungry. Ah, I'm just gonna go and get, you know, know, this quick fix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what you can do, I was gonna say be more aware of groceries. So plan ahead for okay, I'm going to put in my order right now. I'm gonna have all this meat that comes, I've got it in the freezer, I can put it out. And then you would plan according, you could do meal prep. But now we know exactly where your food's coming from and you're helping are helping the cause. And you're also, you're helping your kids and yourself by, you know, changing some of your, really your like your DNA by feeding it healthy ingredients and not things that we have, we think are healthy because they should be healthy, but they're actually loaded with a bunch of,
2: you well, know, cause see, we're
3: being told it's healthy. Yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah. We're
1: the, we're the fattest, starvingest generation in history. That is crazy. Like we're, we're over. When you say
2: that it totally makes sense.
1: (laughs) And so I can't afford it. Are you, are you sure? Because you're eating four or five meals a day and you're not doing a fucking thing. Right. How about go live an active, like I work all day long and I eat all my food at night. I might have a little thing here and there to keep me going throughout the day. I'm not a high performing athlete. Could I go do five workouts a day on this (laughs) the, diet? No. <laughs> no, but the right. majority of Americans, 60% of Americans are obese. And they're the and, 60%?
3: And, yes. I mean, I'm not surprised that doesn't but at the surprise same time me. just saying 60% is.
1: And so when you talk about not being able to afford healthy quality food, actually, you have a sedentary life. If, if this shoe fits, right? If you have mm-hmm. a sedentary lifestyle and you're eating three meals a day, even you're overeating because you're not performing. I go to work in the morning at 5.30 in the morning. I'm running around meeting ranchers, doing all this stuff all day long. Then I come home, feed my goats, feed my cows, milk my goats, water my trees, all of those things. And I eat one meal a day and I feel better than I've ever been. My body's in a healthy condition, right? I've got plenty of food. Our ancestors, that's how they ate. Food wasn't so readily available. So you actually have plenty of money. You just have to pre- plan and prepare like Brooke said. You have to know like, okay, I'm going to, my body, because those five meals a day, you're not getting all of the phytonutrients that you need. And probably you're just getting a whole shit ton of Mm omega-6 that's giving you all kinds of inflation and killing you with COVID. I had COVID twice. It was like a sniffle. I had a weird Disney (laughs) spell one time, but that's it. My, My metabolic health, my metabolic conditioning was like, oh, really? Okay. We'll just handle it and then go back to work. The phytonutrient levels that we find in, in regeneratively raised beef or holistically managed agriculture, right? Holistically, meaning we're going to look at the whole of what we're doing. And if I remove one piece, I break it. So I'm not going to, I'm going to keep everything working as a whole. That's where your nutrients come from. And we can reverse that. But yeah, we're at, you know, we're at the, the highest level of obesity in, in history, And everybody's complaining about not having access to enough food. That is not true. Right. Yeah.
2: Have you ever seen, uh, I'm just curious, have you ever seen The Biggest Little Farm?
1: Oh, one of my favorite documentaries.
2: I love, I uh, yes. And I feel like that also shows, uh, Brooke, have you seen it? I think I've seen, um, I think I've told you to watch it before. I've watched it probably like three times. I can't
3: remember if I've watched it. I have watched some different, um, either like short episodes or documentaries on you know, like same concept. I don't, yes. I'd have to look and see if it, if it was that one. Yeah, the, the it's. It, I, I love it. It's absolutely,
2: and it really just, like you were saying, AJ, it really shows how somebody can go in and, you know, uh, create this, this circle. And, you know, it's like this couple goes and they buy this, this land, and then they just figure out, I mean, you can probably explain it better than I can, AJ, but they, uh, they, they, basically are figuring out how um you know to like deal with pests they bring in other animals that that it's just like this whole circle that um basically regenerates their entire their land
1: yeah and gina that's a perfect example because they're showing exactly how to reverse what it looked like when they broke the cycle yes so everything they went through when that guy said it's going to take seven years you're going to have all kinds of problems for seven years and then it's going to click. Yeah. so basically, over seven years, they were restoring pieces of the puzzle that they didn't know were missing. And then in seven years, oh, they restored the whole, and now their their farm took off. Yeah. I hear there's a part two coming out. I'm excited to see. Oh yeah,
2: no it's it's a bu- it's a beautiful film. I love it. Yeah. Our listeners, you guys, go watch the Biggest Little Farm.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah.
3: I just came across I uh, where. Let me see if I can find the name of it. I came across this guy who's in Arizona Mm -hmm. who is doing in the middle of the desert, okay? So no excuses. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the desert, um, growing all of his food and doing uh, uh, aquaponics in his backyard. Yeah. Oh, wow. Here, it's right here. Yeah, it's... um... Let's see just
1: because wait once the system's balanced it takes care of itself if you take care of a boat you can do exactly what we're doing back there a lot of times if people want a garden they grow in spite of the desert we chose to grow with the desert instead that's it that's how you transfer a plant and not the pond it's never been closer Wow, I wish I would have started this when I was a little kid. Think big, don't be intimidated. Think big
3: and think outside of the box. Wow. This dude has, he's growing, raising his own fish in his backyard.
1: That's awesome. That is so cool. I've seen that family before. This is that uh, photo I was telling you guys about in Chihuahua. Oh yeah. Oh, whoa. Look what's, so this, the clouds are over both sides, but look where the rain is falling. Mm
2: -hmm. Wow. That is crazy. That's insane.
1: And then this, this one real quick. So he, the same guy, same property. They haven't had any rain for nine months and they grazed that two months prior to this photo. So even after grazing and no rain, it grew back. That's because the the healthy soil, the organisms in the soil are keeping it healthy. And then what happens is when it rains, see all of these floods we're seeing happening. We get the rain that we need for that reason. But the problem is the soil is killed. So when it rains, it hits the top of the soil.
3: We don't, we can't
2: absorb it and runs off.
1: But when you have good soil with lots of vegetation, the roots from those plants will allow that water to follow it down inside. And then it gets stored in the soil through the dry season, so you can go four, five, six months and still grow grass because deep down in those roots, moisture still exists. And so we have—I mean, regenerative agriculture will fix flooding, so it'll fix drought or or, or mitigate drought. It'll uh, so it'll mitigate drought where it's too dry. And oh, by the way, all these floods that are happening worse and worse in other parts where it's already wet, guess why? The water that's on the globe didn't leave to space. It's still on the planet somewhere, right? Well, because these pockets of deserts are expanding, that water isn't going to come in there, so it's going to go somewhere. Well, now places like back east that used to have lots of rain get lots and lots more rain because it didn't go to the west. And so flooding is extremely uh uh dangerous now because they're getting all that water we're getting less water but we do get water and then when we get it it comes down all at once and then it causes fat flash floods and then it's gone and so we never got to use it it came and went so there's some really incredible uh people around the world that are making massive impacts that, that i like seeing because then people start saying okay We've got momentum versus like, well, we're just screwed. So, right. I
2: mean, that's what Brooke and I say all the time. We're like, ah, we're fucked. (laughs) I mean, like that's not going to live much longer, but you know, I have children, I'm going to have grandchildren and yeah, I mean, I, I I do give a shit about them. Right. Surprisingly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Surprise. (laughs) Hey, guess what?
3: (laughs) I care about you. Yeah.
1: Care about them. Yeah. 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 So it, it, you know, actually what I want, the most important message I think I want people to hear in this is that there's hope. This, this is a message that we're doing the right things. Now, if you can find the people to support them, then you can be a part of that. But we actually have hope. If you're here and just we're just screwed in this, I'm going to have to eat crickets now because we can't have cows anymore. Right. That's bullshit. You can have cows. We need more cows. So go support that. Listen to that message. Don't listen to this other fear mongering because that's all it is for the sole purpose of profit. That's the only reason.
3: And because the more we get people more scared, right, get them more scared, it'll deflect them from looking toward another option mm-hmm. altogether, which then keeps putting more money into like yep. these people that aren't even from here that are coming here and buying yep. stuff up and wanting to bulldoze this and create a whole new idea, you know, it's that like, are dominating. It's, it's these new, it's like a yeah. new idea, mm-hmm. the new idea that's going to, if we can get the masses to, to buy into it, we are going to be the first people to do this we're gonna make all the money it's like it's just stupid but that is i mean you can you can same concept with um i just i was listening to someone talk about it it's like the, like the whole thing with with computers you know at a certain at a certain point it was like at some point there will be a computer in every home and it's like no no right. way yeah. and well, then no, you have and now we have Bill gates hand. buying up all of our land
2: we you know? just have one in our hand now Everybody, yeah. Has yeah. a computer yeah, yeah. Yeah, scary.
3: So, you guys, let's uh, you know be a together. Let's be a part of the difference. You know, you may not be able to get your hands dirty literally, but like we said, um, pay attention to where you are buying your food and what you are supporting. Now, I understand that there might be times where you might be in a pickle and you can't. You, you uh, you're like, dang it! I have to go to the grocery store. And I have to buy these things because at the end of the day, you still need to eat and feed your family. That is true. But just start. I challenge you to start making some conscious changes. Like every time you need to be a consumer, think about where's it coming from? Mm -hmm. Even just by starting to change the way you think about those things, you will just naturally start changing your behaviors and that's what we need people to do we need to start start changing our subconscious thoughts because we honestly because we have no other option that's like right. this is the option this is the only way so yep. instead of ignoring that because and i under, i know what it feels like when you become so consumed by stress of situations that it feels like we have no control over that is very it's very terrifying. It can cause you a lot of discomfort. Um, and so what is easier than coming to terms with that? It is easier to ignore it and just say, well, we have no, like, what do you do? Like, well, what do we do? Well, and let's
2: be honest. Like there's a lot of us are just lazy and it's that too, but it's laziness.
3: I had a conversation with my my nephew Mm -hmm. and I love him and you know, we've really been, I've been talking to my parents a lot about doing a big overhaul of products that we are, we regularly have in the house because, and it's like, I almost hate, I I get so mad at myself that all this information was there. I just either didn't really, I didn't know too much about it. And also to add on top of that, didn't maybe understand like the real Dangers yeah. in certain the ingredients implications. In food. Right. Yes, and so for me, it was like, well, you know, I, I had the the mindset of like, well, something's gonna kill you one day, right? And now, and now for a while now, but I'm I can. Me and Gina, we talked about the show we watched, and we started going through our our beauty products and t- doing an overhaul. And like, I've been in this mode of overhaul of my food, which is very stressful because sometimes I go to my, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hungry, and I'm like, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to right. eat that. Like, what do I eat? You know, yeah. and it is stressful, but we've got to, you know, we've got to make those changes and it's very easy. It's a lazy thing, but also I think maybe even these younger generations are going to have an even harder time of wanting to understand that unless we start implementing that into conversation with them and for well, and them There's so
2: much, there's so much disinformation out there. Oh yeah. Tons, but, but incorrect information. Yeah. yeah.
3: And yeah. A, a, you know, moral, of the Like story. sifting through that
2: can sometimes be overwhelming. Yes.
3: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. because, and because of that, if you find yourself in the same sort of mindset of r- the realization of all the information, that's very hard to, you know, it's like going to, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like we're, at, we're at forever 21, you know? And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's just so much stuff. And I've got, if I really want to find something, I got to like sift through it. I got to like look through it and like pull it out. And if you're me, I just walk out of the store, any store like that, too stressed, don't want to do it. I'd rather just wear what I'm wearing and just, you know, <laughs> same till the, the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just think about it this way, in terms of products, you're putting on your body, your face and what you are eating, someone put it this way to me. And I've, because of my fitness background and competition and nutrition and years of paying close attention to my nutri- like nutrition labels, right? Stop looking at the nutrition label and start looking at the ingredients list. You know, obviously you want to pay attention whatever your goals are. If you're trying to lose a bunch of weight, you do need to pay attention to the numbers too, yeah. but really start looking at the ingredients and don't try and tell me that anything that isn't a natural ingredient is okay because we know it's not like there's no possible way it could be good for you. No. So even outside of like trying to find information, just know it's just everything's better if it's if it's healthy and it's natural and it mm-hmm. wasn't made in a lab and it doesn't have preservatives and it doesn't have a shelf life. We know that. So outside oh. of those foods that are really good for you, I think you know, don't be so hard on yourself. And I say this, cause this is how I've had the conversation with my mom, you know, because we say, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to stop buying all those things. We're never going to buy tortillas. We're never going to get chips and salsa. We're never going to do all this. It's like, well, it's very daunting to start trying to do an overhaul of products when bad things are in literally everything, <laughs> like go in your pantry. It's, um, it's stressful because you may have been thinking you were making all these good choices and you were, and we are. And so I told my mom, I said, you know, maybe we just handle it like this, the same way we would handle, um, going out to eat. Right. We want to eat really clean. Like we we've always tried to like, let's eat clean during the week. And then, you know, on the weekend or holidays, that's when you have pie. That's when you have, you have the birthday cake, or that's when you have pizza or whatever it is like you indulge. Well, maybe we go one step further. And we try to really be now extra healthy and clean for a majority of our nutrition. And there are those things that maybe you're not, maybe you just, you love, you love chips and salsa. Mm -hmm. me. And um, unless you're going to make chips at home yourself, there's not a lot of options. Like there are options for things that have a really good ingredient list but there's way more options that show up on majority of grocery store shelves that aren't a good option. You know, so I, you can do what I'm doing. I'm trying to have somewhat of a slow transition because really just because so many of the things that I'm used to eating or using in a way to like eat, eat eat a cleaner, healthier option, have things in them that I don't want anymore. So I'm going to do this slow transition of slowly, you know, working to find a better option, looking online, checking out, um, going to the farmer's market, you know, shopping local. And it doesn't have to be this big, daunting, immediate, massive change, because when it comes to our food, especially with people that have kids, that is, I mean, that's a big change that is, and I've had many times I've, I was home and I go in the pantry cause I'm hungry and I'm like looking and I'm like, <laughs> I can't eat any of that, right. you know? And it's, and you know, some people may think like that's, you know, I know that I can eat it, but I now have this thought in my mind. That's like, I mean, all I want to do is I want my, I want Gina to live forever. Okay. I want my parents, <laughs> I want happening. my, I want my parents to be healthy and live forever, um, I don't, I used to have this thought that I thought, you know, this is so fucked up. Everyone's going to get cancer at some point, man. I hope I get one of the good ones. You can catch it early. <laughs> and it <laughs> okay. Fuck. But, but here's the no, thing. No, but yeah, I know. I know, I know. Because I know what like, you're saying. Because of where <laughs> I have been looking at things I have been looking into for the past couple of years and stuff that I care about and stuff I'm watching, like if you go on my, if you're on my phone and you're looking at my TikTok or I don't really do TikTok, but I like to go on there or my stuff that is now coming to me through your algorithm, because the bullshit, because the bullshit algorithms, um, at least a lot of, a lot of it is information that one, it really does uh, stress me out, but two, it stresses (laughs) me, it stresses me out because it's true and it's scary. And I, I tend to feel like I just want to be able to Help people that I care about, and also myself, and it can become overwhelming um, when it when there's so many things. There's so many things that, um, like me, Gina had said earlier, like we're always thinking, "What do we do?" You know, yeah. like here's well, like one, A- add it to the list, add it to the, <laughs> to the list of things. Yeah, that, like, yeah, you know, we're, we're doomed.
2: But I love what AJ said is that we don't have to think that way. Exactly. We need to start like changing that thought process. And thinking, okay, instead of
3: like, well, fuck us, uh, what can we do? Exactly. Yeah. And my dad said that to me, um, you know, because it basically control what you can control, control what you can do. Mm-hmm. And any of us that become really scared, you know, it can become very, uh, difficult to do anything at all. It can feel like there's so much going on. You, you know, you might end up being that person that is a hermit and never leaves their house because everything is scary. <laughs> and that's very,
2: well, realistic. no, because then you're just door dashing. <laughs> <You're, exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that's, not <healthy. laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> you know,
3: what, what my dad in a moment of me talking to him about things that I was really like, that was a real concern of mine Um, which is a concern of his too, but what he was able to do for me to kind of bring me back down to like, okay, yes, a lot of bad shits going on. It is scary. And, but what he kind of brought me back to earth in a way to help me realize is this, if all we're going to do is be scared or, or maybe be lazy to a way where like, we know what's happening, but we're too lazy to do anything about it. Or maybe it's so uncomfortable to be anxious about it, that what do we do? We end up not being able to do anything at all. We're no help to ourselves and we're no help to anyone around us. So the best thing that we can do is figure out what is something that I can do. And even if it does, even if like that one thing I'm doing, maybe it's just ordering food, um, from a, a, a good rancher. Maybe it's just going to the farmer's market instead of going to the grocery store. That may not seem like a really big difference, but in fact that that's what you can do and that's what you, like, that's the change that you can make. One, it's going to help you stay focused on something that is in your control to make a difference. And it will help from getting so overwhelmed by all of the things that are out of our control. Um, and then from, you know, from there, beyond that, Uh, I guess, you know, get a hair tie that you move <laughs> in your hand a lot. You're <laughs> just doing this. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: But yeah. It's we. we, yeah, even when we feel like we can't do anything, we actually can, you may not be, you know, we're not all AJ. AJ is doing a lot. He, there's with, within regenerative pastures, he has moved. Um, luckily Jess, his beautiful wife and their kids have extremely supportive and, the whole mission behind what is going on and, and promoting regenerative agriculture is it's very important for the next generations, you know, but they upped and moved. And now AJ on top of him educating and being a voice for the whole movement all the time, he is also managing our first processing facility, you know, and that is a very big job. And it's an also emotional job you know if not enough people and AJ can actually explain it and maybe we can come to a close shortly after yeah, that yeah i was going to say maybe explain aj just like in the you know the idea of if if people mm, we need to help the ranchers by by being consumers yeah so that we can keep them doing what they're doing or they end up coming to aj or other facilities but coming to aj and being like i need to process these beef and it's like well we have so many beef. We still need to process. We can't process them. I mean, that is devastating. And that's a real, that's, that's a real problem that happens and it's not new. I mean, it's been happening, but he's in a position where he's gotta be, he's gotta be the person he's, he's, he's that person that is.
1: Yeah. That wasn't part of the plan, but you know, I'm not not willing to just like we had, we, you know, we just in a nutshell, we had a manager didn't work out and it didn't work out very rapidly. Uh, and so all of a sudden that's my position because I'm not, you know, when Brooke and I just had a conversation the other day, I said, look, we're so close. I'm not going to just, you know, bend over and take it. We're going to fight for whatever we got to do to keep this thing going. And, and really I'm looking at the people that work there. This is a very non-glamorous job. When you work in a slaughterhouse, it is not a glamorous job, but you don't get to eat a piece of meat unless people like that are willing, people are willing to do a job like that. Right. So my wife and I have found a lot of passion and love for the people that are there, you know, doing this kind of work because it is a thankless job and it's absolutely necessary. And there's just so many pieces, this whole puzzle. And it it does feel like everything's set up to make you fail, right? Because it's just the margins are very thin and you got to have everything work just right. But then you have a rancher that spent two years raising that animal and had a great life and it comes to us and we process it. And if, If uh, things aren't running smoothly that we might waste that animal and not. And, and what's really cool is not one person in our plant uh, ever wants to see that because it's a sentient being that gave its life for us to have nutrition. We have a tremendous, is, is, you know, the only people, this is hard to wrap their head around is the, the whack job vegan. Everybody else understands, like we have a tremendous amount of love and respect for this animal because what it's for. It's to have me be healthy and I'm going to care for it all the way up till its last days. Frankly, I wish my last days was a cow last day. I wish I didn't know what a rifle was because I cows will sit there and chew their cud and look at you. And then in a split second before they know they're gone. I wish I died that way. Every death I have ever seen from the human perspective, it's miserable because you know you're dying. It's very heart wrenching. I wish I could die like a cow. Yeah. So their end of life, they, we have this saying in ranching, a cow has two bad days. And the first, the second one, they don't even know it. The first one is the day they're branded. Oh yeah. <laughs> the last one is the day they die. And the day they die, they don't even know it's coming. Imagine if we as humans got to live a life like that.
2: Right.
1: You know, and it's stupid anyway that we're comparing that because a cow is not a human right they don't have have the reasoning skills they don't have they don't make stories you know a gazelle gets chased by a lion gets away it doesn't walk around the rest of the day saying man that guy fucking hates me what's wrong with me (laughs) no he just goes back (laughs) yeah
2: that's so good that was good oh oh, man that fucking hates me (laughs) what's
3: his problem (laughs) (laughs) Is it because no, i'm so- fat <laughs> yeah. is it because is it? it like is it because i is it because i i can only grow a mullet and not long hair
2: oh my goodness oh that's really funny
3: all right so we're we're out of time um you guys and holy shit I, we've gone way longer than me and Gene have gone way in a while is this wait is this one podcast or three yeah um <laughs> So AJ, thank you so much for taking the time. And all three of us are in different time zones right now. <laughs> yes. so we made it work and I hope that you found this interesting. And I also hope that, you know, it makes you feel a little bit more motivated. Um, one optimistic. Yeah. I was going to say things. positive. Yeah. It makes you feel optimistic and also some motivation to like take some control back, you know, do some research yourself. Look and see what what is around you. Look and see what is, you know, farmers markets, ran- like ranchers, farmers, people around you that you can kind of get into the mix that way, um, and do you know, do some of your own research and know that there is hope and there are people like AJ and many other people that are out there, like in the middle of this, trying to keep it going and working to make big changes. So, to sign off, I'm going to have AJ uh, let us know you know and the, the let the listeners know where they can find you know, just let them know all the information yeah, let you know, the people them, know let the people right.
1: know let the people know uh first i would say watch kiss the ground best thing you can do is educate yourself i am not the expert i bring people together to to learn that information um i'm most active on tiktok right now homestead pastures It's what we're doing as a family on our little spot here. Uh, I am going to start incorporating more of what I do for a living to really kind of tie all that that knowledge and information in. Um, So Homestead Pastures on on TikTok. Um, Also, some good resources. Land to Market is a resource to where you can look. and, And if you buy from them, they're making sure holistic management is part of that supply chain as a focal point, not an afterthought as well as another organization that's going to be coming out soon called, um, Regenified. Uh, and they will be almost like certified organic. They, these are the experts rushing to create something that doesn't get what they call greenwashed, like certified organic has. So land to market and Regenified. These are the experts in the world. You'll really like that. Like Gina said, if you check out little biggest little farm, that'll inspire you. Um, you can check out Doc, uh, Alan Savory. Look up the TED Talk by Alan Savory if you want to dive a little deeper into what is actually happening. So that's really, uh, and then our website, um, regenerativepastures.com, is um, where you can buy if you want to buy direct from us. We do ship all over the, the country, um, and uh, we'd love to, to provide meat for your family there as well. And I, I'm telling you, if you buy from Regenerative Pastures, I shook the rancher's hand. and that's the only reason that product is there because they are following these practices.
2: I love that. Thank you. My guys. heart is full right now. <laughs> <Is>
3: <laughs> it, I can see it. I can see You it can growing. see it just growing? Like the Grinch. Like the Grinch. The he Grinch? Like, My heart is. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> it's just been hanging on, just a little shriveled prune. It just grew a little bit. Oh. Yeah,
3: your life, you've just, you've just extended your life. I did, I did. Perfect. Thank goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, AJ, thank you so much for your time. And um, AJ, yes, yeah. so nice to meet you. Sorry, I was making
2: toast when I, you know, I love it. That's I all. Right. As you popped on, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> very awesome. nice to meet you. You too. You as well. Thank you, Good guys. Night. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Well, that was <gasps> that. You know, honestly, I do feel more hopeful now. <clears throat> you should. I feel
3: better. Hey, how does this sound? Huh? Can't Can hear me- it really yeah see oh my gosh you
2: know oh no now i can hear it
3: i can hear it it's loud
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry all right guys well
3: thank you so much for listening yeah i will tell i'm gonna save my yoga story for our next podcast yeah um uh sorry my brain's tired that's okay me too you guys Gina, always a pleasure. I love you to pieces. I love you. 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 And you guys, thank you for listening and or watching. Um, Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Five star -star rating, rating, five star warning. We'll talk to you
2: next week. We'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Bye. Bye.